it's Allie Burks, the worship leader for the local church, and you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast featuring sermons from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive faith community based out of Chatham County, North Carolina, committed to being with and for one another, our community, and our world. In this time of social distancing, we continue to gather virtually for the work of worship every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. over Facebook Live and YouTube. So wherever you find yourself, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, you have a place at the local church, and we'd love for you to join us. Our scripture this week comes from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 33. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me where and where I am. There will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now it is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
All right. Thank you, Allie. And good morning, local church. Um, it's good to be with you all this morning. And I, I'm just going to be honest. I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you that this has been a hard week. Uh, I'm not going to walk around what's really going on. You know, most of us know of the massacre that happened in Atlanta on Tuesday night that has sent our country once again, once again into a dark, a deep, dark place of racially motivated hate crimes. And I have a I have a pastor friend back home uh, who framed this event this way by reminding us that this event didn't occur in a vacuum. Rather, this event is the product the byproduct of the church's sin, and it is the byproduct of a church that doesn't name white supremacy as a threat to our Christian witness. And I say this because the person who committed these acts blamed it on his fetishization of Asian women, and then that's the truth. He grew up in the church. He was baptized in the church. He was an active member. And this massacre, this murderous event that happened— um, happened because he's growing up in a world that allows white superiority to take precedence over the lives of our minority brothers and sisters. And he grew up in a church culture that said, your peace and your comfort with God takes precedence over anyone who stands in the way. And in, in this case, it was Asian women. And this is the world we are in. And this hurts me because I am Asian, right? And so when I, we say AAPI, when you see posts on the internet that say AAPI, we mean Asian American and Pacific Islanders, for anyone who didn't know. And my family is Indian. You know, we we immigrated here. My parents immigrated here. My grandparents came here throughout the 20th century. And I'd be lying once again if I didn't say I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of the church having to respond to racially motivated attacks like this. Every time something like this happens, I sit on Twitter or Instagram and I just look at various groups, organizations, churches to see what they're saying and to see what they're not saying. And so this is a moment, everyone, where we can continue with our lives. This isn't a moment where we can continue with our lives as normal. You know, 2020, beginning with the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd should have been that moment when we as believers should have been reminded that this is not it. This is a moment where the church needs to lament. And last time I preached, I talked about lament and how lament opens our eyes to the things unseen. It allows us to come face to face with our complacency. And this lament should make the church look inward and to see some of the ways that it has allowed these things to happen. And so for too long, the church has been obsessed with power with status, with saving souls, with creating community evangelism. And I just want to make it clear that when I say the church, I'm talking about the universal church, the body of Christ, not specific individual churches like this one. But we need to realize, friends, that justice and evangelism cannot be separated. You cannot be a part of lifting someone out of oppression without first lamenting and seeing the situation through different eyes. And this is what lament helps us do. The church is to do both. It's to create community, but also pursue God's justice. So this morning, my Asian American friends, if you're watching, my Korean, Japanese, 
Taiwanese, Hmong, Indian, Vietnamese, Filipino, Nepali, Sri Lankan, Afghani, Pakistani, so many. You're all beautiful and made in the image of God. And there's so many other ethnicities that I'm forgetting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that society hasn't placed a high value on our stories. I'm sorry uh, that we're considered disposable to some people. I'm sorry that time and time again, these crimes are occurring in the name of white supremacy and sometimes in the name of God. <laughs> so many of us went to bed this week thinking that this could happen to my grandmother, that this could happen to my grandfather, that this could happen to my siblings, to my parents, that this could happen to me. This is not how people should sleep at night. Your stories are important. Your ethnicity is important. Your livelihood is not disposable. Asian Americans have a hard time in this world because we constantly live in the in-between. So much of this comes from the belief that, that Asian Americans are this model minority because so many of us become successful in our endeavors, right? Well, Asian Americans will become doctors, engineers, lawyers, CEOs. They're super successful in many instances. Um, but this success, this success erases the struggle that so many of us feel and experience. So Asian Americans, while successful, yes, also experience some of the most abject poverty in the United States. Asian Americans make up about 6% of the population here in the U.S. And of that 6%, 1.9% live below the poverty line. The model minority myth erases those stories and the 1.92% and holds the other to an unfair standard. So throughout Asian American history, we've seen this country praise us when we're useful and vilify us when we're not. So just look at American history. Look at the Chinese Exclusion Act. Look at Japanese internment camps. Look at the way this country saw brown people after 9-11. And now look at how COVID-19 has once again brought on a vilification of Asian Americans. So this is not right. And I cannot stress everyone how important it is to speak against this. When we jokingly laugh at someone saying something like China virus, we're participating in dissemination of anti-Asian rhetoric. And so as followers of Christ today, I beg you and I ask you to speak against this rhetoric. And if you are Asian American and you're watching this, you are allowed to express your grief and your anger however you see fit. You don't have to explain why you're mad. You don't have to tell somebody why you're frustrated, why you keep posting these things on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, why you keep talking about it. You are allowed to do that. Because this is not what God has in store for you. And so if you need to talk to me, if you need to talk to Brent, if you need to talk to anybody here on this church staff about what you're feeling, we are here for you. So feel free to reach out. Send me a message. I'd love to get to know you. But what are we to do? 
What is the church to do? What are white people who truly are allies in this to do? Because I know a lot of my white brothers and sisters are feeling this tension because you, you consider yourself an ally and you don't know what to do in this situation. So what are we to do? We're to look to Jesus. And, and that's not an easy answer. Because when we look to Jesus, things get harder. Because right, we are in this season of Lent, and Lent is a time for us to reflect and repent and throw away some things that might be stopping us from seeing the fullness of God. And so this morning, our scripture comes from the book of John, and this is a sobering moment for Jesus and everyone around him because he's predicting his death. So we are in this sermon series called Again and Again. And this week, we're talking about how we are reformed. And this is a moment of reforming for everyone around Jesus. Because they've seen his life and ministry, and they've seen the miracles he has done, and some are truly convinced that this is the Son of Man, that this is glory and beauty divine, that this is the one that they've been waiting for. Jesus is sitting there, it says in the beginning, he's sitting there with some of the Greeks who were, who were also celebrating Passover, and they wanted to see Jesus. And then Jesus says, my time has come, the time has come. And I'm sure many of them were asking, the time has come for what? What, what are you talking about? And Jesus' his response was simply, it's time for me to die. And, and this, is the not, this is not the news that they were expecting to hear. Because the Son of Man, the human one, the Savior of the world, the true vine, as we, as we read further on in the book of John, all the I Ams, the Messiah, his time has come. Jesus makes it clear that he has to die. And he will die the most gruesome death at the hands of the empire. So if we look at the Old Testament, you know, Jeremiah 23.5 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely. And then when we also look at the book of Isaiah, it teaches, teaches that the Messiah will be a political figure who will judge and create a fair government in Israel, one who will literally end war and death. And this is the figure that they were expecting, someone to rain down and overthrow oppressive political forces. We see chapters upon chapters of people living in oppression in the Hebrew Bible, and we see death and dying and suffering, and, and the disciples, the people who are around Jesus, have read about a figure like this one who will put an end to all of this. They didn't read about a Savior who was supposed to die. So Jesus tells these people around him what's really about to happen as we read this in the book of John. He will die. And he gives a small parable about a grain of wheat that falls into the ground. And this grain, he says, it must be buried in order to see something grow. So Jesus, too, must be buried in order for us to see the fullness of his beauty through the resurrection. In order for the seed to grow and bear fruit, it must die. So our humanity, <clears throat> excuse me, our humanity wants the story of Jesus to be played out as comfortably as possible. 
Our humanity wants Jesus to just be Jesus and insert himself into the narratives of hate and wash the the slate clean and resurrect dead souls. So when Jesus says he must die, many of those around him probably said, this cannot be it. This version of Jesus, those people were probably looking for, and the one that we're probably looking for will bring us no satisfaction, friends, because it's just Jesus who we call upon, because it's just the Jesus who we call upon when things are tough. That's who they were looking for, a Jesus that they can call upon when things get tough, when things are, are, are difficult. So we might say, Jesus, we need you in the middle of this coronavirus, or, or Jesus, there's just too much hate. What we saw on Tuesday was too hard for people. Can you do something? Can you do a miracle, Jesus, please? And, and, and that, that's a good thing to say, but we're trying to hold on to life and make it as easy as possible by asking Jesus to be our lifeboat when things get tough. But here is the reality, friends, and, and Jesus says it right here in, in verses 25 and 26. It says, those who love their lives will lose them, and those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. Whoever serves me must follow me. Wherever I am, there my servants will also be. My Father will honor whoever saves me. So here's what that means. If you try to live your life trying to find your life, then you will lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, then you will find your life. Let me say that again. If you try to live your life trying to find your life, then you will lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, for God's sake, then you will find your life. So if you surrender your life to the kingdom, if you surrender your life to Jesus, then you will find your life. So Jesus here is painting a sobering reality for all of us. He's painting a vision of discipleship that tells us it's not about you. So yes, Jesus is our lifeboat, but we have to realize that on that boat, there is a multitude of nations, tribes, tongues, cultures, peoples, much like the picture that we get in Revelation 7. Here's, here's my bottom line. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to allow Jesus to be your Savior, the sobering reality is that it's not about you. It's not about what makes you comfortable. Because if you try to follow Jesus, making it about you, then you will miss Jesus. You will miss the kingdom work that needs to be done. So John, the book of John, writes with this harsh language that says, you have to hate your life in this world. That's what my translation says, the common English Bible says, you have to hate your life in this world. So what does it mean to hate your life? It means opening your eyes to the injustices of the world. It means not placing your identity in success or, or money or fame or if you're a student watching in school. It means understanding that this world is not you, that this world is us. It's setting your eyes on a kingdom that is both a future event and
and a present reality. It's looking for opportunities to be on the side of the oppressed. It's looking for ways to be on the side of the poor. It's praying, it's interceding, it's petitioning, it's lamenting, it's standing in the gaps, it's being in the in-between. It is believing that Asian lives matter, and it is believing that black lives matter. So this, this world, this life, it, it's not about you. This is about us. And when one of us is hurting, friends, all of us should hurt. So this week, our Asian American and Pacific Islander brothers and sisters are hurting because their community has been a victim of a hatred that says their lives don't matter. So their lives matter. Asian lives matter. And and these are their names. Would we lose our comforts? Would we lose our biases? Would we lose the things that Christ tells us to throw off? We can accept this reality, or we can ignore it. But the reality is that it's not about you, it's about us. It's about them. This might not make sense, and, and this might feel like too much to do, to take on, to, to hate the things in our lives that are keeping us from God, to, to throw them off, because they might bring us monetary satisfaction, and it might look like this is the right thing, but God might be telling you to throw it off. And this is hard, but God spoke in this passage towards the end. And God says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So God will glorify it. This is a two-way street, everybody. Because again and again, we're hit with things like this. Unrest seems constant, but what will you do? There is only one faithful way forward. If we follow Christ, we must go where he goes. We must defy expectations. We must dismantle the status quo that says shootings like the one we just saw are not a part of this plan. So flip table if you have to. Scatter some coins. Let the old fall away and let the new emerge. But be drawn into the heart of God. In Jesus' name, amen. It's Allie again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to somebody who could use some good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more information about The Local Church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LocalChurchPBO. Until next time, love where you are.